Churchpreneurs Podcast. My name is Richard Moore. I'm your host and informant for everything church, theology, and faith-related. Churchpreneurs vision is to accelerate the church in mission, vision, and effectiveness in fulfilling the Great Commission in our communities. Churchpreneurs hopes to embolden people to fulfill the Great Commission beyond their own borders into the rest of the world within this generation. It's possible, folks. In this podcast, I talk about everything that's moving me in relation to church and theology, hopefully to empower you in your ministry, church, Bible study, theological education, and most importantly, your personal growth in Christ. Today, we've got a real treat for you church entrepreneurs out there. We have with us as a special guest, not in my studio, actually, uh, in in the Creekside studio, actually here, Pastor John Bruce. John is the founding pastor of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California. He's a teaching pastor, self-taught theologian, father of two adult kids, and a granddad, as it were. To six, you got a little gaggle going on there. <laughs> so, um, uh, I first met John actually when they invited me to come and be the youth pastor, my, me and my wife, to come from South Carolina to be the youth pastor here here at Creekside. <clears throat> I'm really actually forever grateful for your invitation those years ago. Man, it's almost been 20 years ago. If you can believe it, amazing that. how fast time flies. I mean, it's really wild. No, no, you are a great you are a great blessing to our kids. And uh, yeah. us. so it's great to have you. Just how you mesh so seamlessly from South Carolina. And Isn't that Carolina. wild? Yeah. Like <laughs> I was a little bit of redneck, but not, not much. Uh, John graduated from Cal State Long Beach with a degree in music ed, which is wild from music to pastor. Um, he also was a director of Campus Crusade at Cal Berkeley for many years. Uh, that's been a lifetime ago now, I guess, That's right? right yeah. <laughs> um, and remains an avid Cal fan uh, through all the disappointments and waves. And at least you have that Stanford game, right? You can just rejoice at the the guy getting smashed, the tuba player, right? At the end of that. We'll always have. <laughs> <laughs> we'll always have that. Yeah. It, it will live in infamy, right? <laughs> so um, he's a semi-retired uh, pastor and discipleship pastor at Creekside now. John, thanks for taking the time to join me on Churchpreneurs today. My pleasure. Yeah. So um, we're actually in California today. I'm not in my normal studio in Germany. Um, so thanks for letting me in on your home turf here. Um, you planted Creekside, John, years ago with a team from First Covenant, as I remember it. Right, right. Um, and uh, describe, if you can, if those beginning processes and that, that early time uh, for us in planting Creekside? It was, um, it was really exciting. We didn't know what we were doing, and there were no books about how to plant churches. We just had to kind of make it up as we went. But we had a, a great team of folks. We had probably, oh, maybe 50 families or so that came over with us from First Covenant. We started meeting at a, a Bancroft Junior High Auditorium and uh, just got people into small groups immediately because we really felt that... Uh, um, Christianity is very uh, one another centered, and and so we needed to be not just coming on Sunday mornings, but needed to be where we really would grow in our in small groups. And so that was a high priority from the beginning, and we we set out from there. And uh, things progressed along the way. Um, finally, uh, in two thousand three, we were able to um, buy uh, 
Piper's restaurant, which uh, that's right, yeah, yeah, and current building we're in at the moment, and completely uh, tear it down and remodel it, basically from from the ground up. It it was it was it was was the Winchester Mystery Restaurant. It was there were there were hallways (laughs) going off to nowhere, and and it was but it was a great gift from God. We we ran out of money three times, and uh, but God just keep continued to provide and has continued to do so. So it's been a been a great great adventure for us to really see God God work and. Right, right. Long, strange trip, right? Yeah. Um, so what? if you were a pastor on the pastoral staff at First Covenant at that time, what what led you to to want to try something like this, to, to be a church entrepreneur, as it were, to go out and on a limb, literally, and do something like this? What what led you to that? Good question. I One of my responsibilities at First Covenant was over all of their small groups. And we, it's a large church. We had um, small groups in all over the different communities surrounding the church. And I began to wonder, well, what what's the next step? Are we just going to keep producing small g- groups? And I just got the idea, well, maybe we could plant a church because it seems like that's, I didn't know anything about church planning. And so, and I didn't think I would plant a church. I just thought this is something that- <laughs> Something we, the next step. The yeah. next step yeah. that we should look at, that maybe some of these groups in a particular community could join together to start a new church. Right. And I took a, uh, a an audio, audio tape course from from Fuller Seminary on church planting. I knew nothing about it, but as I heard the different speakers speak, I something resonated in me, and I realized right. I I had never really thought about being a, even a pastor until then, um, because I just I didn't see. But when I heard these guys, they were like they were more entrepreneurial. Yeah, and, and yeah. I, and I and I thought that's me. That's and so over the. Over the next couple of years, I went to our pastor and I said, I think God may be calling us to plant a church. And unlike many pastors, he was very encouraging. Just yeah, very, yeah. You know, and we had to have the approval of the church. It took us two years to work, to jump through all the hoops, which was absolutely necessary, though I, it graded against me. But uh, <laughs> for us to be able to come with the team we were able to bring, we needed to to work closely with the church. And so I think it laid a great foundation for us to, when we started off. So we were, uh, yeah, we were self-supporting from day one, which was, was which was great, which you don't see. Very you don't see, yeah, you don't see that often in a lot of church. And plans. so I think it was just, uh, that wasn't because we were smart or we knew what we were doing. It was just the sovereignty of God. Yeah. 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 Very cool. That that's, that's really cool that you had a church behind you like that. And uh, I mean, that's actually Creekside for us too, as missionaries. And, it's just amazing to see um, God lead in those things. Um, and I want to uh, shift gears a little bit because w- one of your main giftings, uh, as I see, um, and spending the years here, uh, almost nine years here at Creekside with you and with the others here, I find that you're a fantastic preacher. Well, thank you. And uh, steady, solid, application-oriented, exegetical. <laughs> Uh, and expository in nature, you always tried to answer the question, how does this particular scripture address my daily life? Um, So take us, if you can, uh, into your process a little bit of how you prepare, what you go through in a week, maybe when you're, you know, I guess you're coming up speaking um, in in a couple weeks here as well when Jeff's on vacation. Take us through your process in a week. Good, good question. I, it's changed a lot mm-hmm. since I'm no longer preaching weekly, and I will usually speak, oh, um, a couple of times a month now. And so that gives me much more 
um, preparation time. Lag time, as it were. (laughs) What I find is it works best for me to, I will write solidly for 30 minutes to an hour every day. Um, I don't put it, I find it work a lot better if I just had this time that this, I sit down and, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. At, and just write during that time. So that's, that's kind of the, the, where I start. What I want to do, I, I really believe that God works through his word. He, mm-hmm, he doesn't need mm-hmm. any help from me. Um, <laughs> all I need to do is try to make it clear what the Bible is teaching, teaching. as best I can and call people's attention. What I want people to see is, huh, that's what it says. <laughs> you know, how did I miss that? Rather yeah, than, yeah. oh, I've never heard anybody come up with something like that before. Right. I want it to be so obvious. And so what I do is I will just work through a passage and uh, find out, you know, it's just the basic steps, observation. What do I see? There? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Looking for there. And then in, and then pull all that together in terms of what are the, what's kind of the big idea of this passage? What, what, if I sat down with the, with the author, would I have the same big idea that he has? Did, did I, have I found out what mm-hmm, he's trying mm-hmm. to say? And then in light of that, what are the, some practical lessons of life that I find from that? And then I worked through the second Timothy three sixteen and 17. All scripture is. Uh, yeah. Which um, all scripture is profitable for three things. Yeah. Teaching. So what do I learn from this? Right. Reproof. Where do I fall short? Correction. What course corrections do I need to make in light of that? Mm-hmm. And then training in righteousness. How am I going to practice this so it becomes a habit of life? And and I find that that most Christians have a hard time moving from <clears throat> teaching to the practical application to their lives. Now I know you've I've heard you say that before. Second Timothy three sixteen. That's awesome. I've never. I don't. I don't think you use that scripture often enough in the preaching of the word. Yeah. We use it as the authority of scripture, the inerrancy and, and what it's, you know, what it is, what the word of God is, but that it preaches that way too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. Because if this is God's purpose for the word of God, then I need to make sure I'm covering that purpose when I preach. Yep. What did I, what does it teach? How does it reprove? How does it correct? And how does it train? So that I might be equipped and adequate for every good work. Now you uh, typically you would memorize your sermons weekly. Yes, um, and hardly ever, to my recollection. I mean, I've, I remember seeing you use notes on a few occasions. How did you do that? Like, take us through that process. Is that something you would maybe uh, uh, encourage other pastors to do, or at least somewhat memorize sort of your flow? Or yeah, I. I write out my sermons. I manuscript yeah. them word for word. Word for word, okay. And uh, because I need to do that to to think it through. That's yeah. that's more to, just to think it through. It does it make sense? And then edit, edit, edit. Because right. I want to say it. I, I think too wanna much. Want to say it right? Yeah, I think too much information is just as destructive as not enough because you people can't remember. If you can't remember it, you can't apply it. Mm-hmm. So I want to get it as sharp as I can. And if I put that much time into putting together, then I I, I can't, don't want to get up there and read the manuscript. That just that does not connect with people. I'm right. not comfortable doing that. Right. And so that's why I take the trouble to to practice it a lot. And uh, I it's never word perfect. And that's, right. That's not my goal. <laughs> but I want to have it clear enough so I I know in chunks and blocks that this is here's where I'm going. Here's what. You know, yeah. I, I don't yeah. Th- I don't think I've ever preached a sermon that was exactly what I wrote. But, but, you know, it's close enough. Well, that's, the, that's room for the spirit then, right? You, yeah. left, you left some room for the spirit there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I just feel, I feel a lot freer 
Yeah. When I don't yeah. have notes and I can respond to people because I can see if they're with me or if they're not with me. Yeah. Um, I I would encourage at least, I mean, I, to aspire to memorize the sermon is maybe much for some guys, but at least to know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you're going. Yeah. I mean, uh, my dad used to always say to me, if, if there's a, uh, a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pew. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so dad's a wise man. <laughs> so I actually, I actually end up uh, a lot of times cutting as I'm going. That's yeah. probably not wise in a lot of ways. Like, Oh, that's too much. Um, running out of time here, you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not actually probably pretty wise. Uh, you at least know, know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you're going. You, you know? have to. Yeah. yeah. Um, it seems like the state of preaching is, in a pretty abysmal place right now. I don't know if you'd agree. I agree. Um, Could you put your finger on why or what? Why would we say that? I I think that the church has had the wrong goal for the last generation. Oh, oh, now you're getting in the weeds here. Tell me, (laughs) tell me about that. (laughs) I think most pastors see their goal as to attract as many people as they can to come sit and listen to them preach. That that's the way we evaluate success Mm. is how many people are attending the church rather than how many reproducing disciples are being made. And therefore, we we tend to focus on preaching a sermon that will attract people rather rather than believing in our hearts that God works in people's lives through his word. I don't have to dress the word up. I don't have to make it powerful. It's already powerful. I just need to to reveal it. And so so pastors spend much more time trying to make their their sermon relevant, yeah. or cute, or memorable, <laughs> or, or whatever, rather than is it accurately saying what the Bible says? Right, right. That leads me to the question of uh, word as the centrality. I, I, I learned a ton through my time here at Creekside, um, through preaching, keeping the word central, through your uh, uh, guidance in formulating sermons and, and, and my homiletic and everything, mm-hmm. the whole thing. Um, how, how has Creekside actually kept, been able to keep the word central and not fallen into the temptation of doing what you just expressed over the years? You could be cute, being yeah. attractive, attractional model. How has Creekside been able to keep the word central? I, I think it's just an issue of faith. It's if I really, it's, it's, it's the fear of the Lord. It's, it's realizing that I, I don't speak for myself. I don't speak for Creekside. I, have, I speak for God, mm. and therefore I have to speak pleasing to God rather than pleasing to men. And I think that's the right. core conviction that you've got to have, that you have to believe that if my goal is to please God and I've done the very best I can in preparing and understanding this word, then God will do the rest, that he is going to be the one who who yep. changes people's lives through it. Um, leads me to the second question in this yeah. ro- row of word-based things, but I know the answer, but yeah. um, how has Creekside stayed diverse, generous, gospel-oriented, good word, you always said this, good works and good words, good works in one hand, good words in the other. How, how has Creekside kept that the focus? I think it's probably because we have not had a model that we've followed. In mm-hmm. other words, we've not said, well, we want to be like this church, or we want to do it like this church, because I made that mistake. I, I, I copied every church. <laughs> Did around. that before, right? Yeah, and, and it's just so empty. 
And rather than just letting the Bible set the agenda and saying, this is what the Bible says Christians are to be, this is what the Bible says Christians are to do, so we will pursue that. We'll pursue obedience in, in these things. And so um, I think we are blessed with diversity. I think we reflect the, the very diverse community we live in, not because we made that a goal. Mm-hmm. We, we, did, we did pray that, pray for that, but I think that's something God did yeah. On his own. I mean, he just did it because we were faithful to preaching the word. The word, yeah, the word stayed and, central. And that's what it was. I think people's lives are changed. It's the word of God which performs its work in the, you who believe, as Paul says in First Thessalonians. Mm-hmm. As the word has been preached, it has changed people's lives. And, of course, it's not just preaching, but we teach people how to study the Bible. We That's, we, that's what we do in our small groups. It's all about practicing the Bible. And so that's that's all I can say is the, we've... The word has centrality in the life of the church, not just on a Sunday when the word is preached necessarily, but just in the everyday life of the church. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so say there's a hopefully a young uh, young John Bruce out there listening, right? <laughs> 20-something coming from... Uh, were you 20? How old were you when you came from First Covenant then? Oh, I was I was probably gosh that was 1999 so I was four, 42 42 so a uh, 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 young whippersnapper John yeah. Bruce out there <laughs> what what would you, what would be your advice to a young church planner out there a young church entrepreneur out there taking a huge risk for the Lord planning or starting something new stepping out in faith to try to do something for the Lord um, in his kingdom what what would you, be some advice to that person I think I would tell him not to be in a hurry, that, that, that you need to build solid Slowly. from slow and steady from the ground up, mm-hmm. um, because your church can never, will never outstrip you, first of all, and you, it can never go further than you, and it can never go further than your leaders. Mm-hmm. So you, I would start small, not think about, not making the goal to have a Sunday service, but, okay. but to have the goal to gather a group of disciples around you that you can be teaching and just let that grow on its own and not have a Sunday service until you can't not have a Sunday service. <laughs> until it's impossible. Until it's yeah. possible not yeah. to. But to focus on building quality and, and obedient disciples who make other disciples as your goal, mm. rather than focusing on the scoreboard. We see, we, I think we focus on the wrong scoreboard. We say the scoreboard is how many people are coming to church on Sunday and what our budget is and all those things. Yeah. That's the wrong scoreboard. That Jesus never gave us that scoreboard. The only scoreboard he gave us is how many disciples, disciples. who are keeping all my commandments do you have? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I think keeping the right goal yeah. in mind, the right scoreboard in mind is what, what I would advise you to do. And that's sort of difficult in a sense because, you, you're, you know, uh, it probably the reason that preaching is so abysmal is because we focused on those sort of those superstar guys out there that we see there get lots of clicks, got lots of YouTube hits or whatever the case may be. And it's hard not to look at those churches, exactly. look at those people to sort of say, well, let's model that way. Exactly. Um, and so... Biggest mistakes I made Look at, for, for my first decade, I think, was was following different models and following different guys, mm. and uh, and just finding out by the grace of God, finding out well, it might work where they're where they're doing it, but it sure doesn't work here. Right, and, right. Uh, and so I, it's not like I came to these convictions by kind of automatically. This these were all mm-hmm. by failures, <laughs> failure after failure. <laughs> That's a nice segue. <laughs> so how about 
some pitfalls. So this young guy out there, this young John Bruce out there, what uh, what would you warn him for some pitfalls? I, I think the pitfalls, some of the pitfalls I would warn him about is beware of uh, people you, you want to please more than you want to please God. Because there's always people who are going to have a, a plan for you and a plan for your church and are going to want to exert more influence than, than they should. And uh, even with the best of motives, it, it right. might not be the problem. It might not be the person at all. It's more your desire to be pleased, to them. please and mm. be approved of. But to beware of that, because that will that becomes another God. That becomes a, a, a rival of the Lord in your life. And so yeah. that's number one pitfall. And, and you're going to find a lot of people will leave. A lot of people will, will go somewhere When else. you're not trying to please them, or what? Well, even if you are trying to please them, they'll leave. <laughs> they'll still leave. <laughs> Everybody leaves. Right. And, uh, and so the, somebody said a church is like a train. People are always getting on and getting off. And that's <laughs> that's the way you got to sit. You can't put your security yeah. in the people. You have to put your security in the Lord. And so that's, that's one pitfall, I would say. And I think another is is to re- remember uh, that his, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Yeah. And so if, if, if my ministry isn't light and easy, I am, I am trying to carry more of the load than he intends for me to carry. So I need to continually deepen my relationship with him and learn to rest in him and depend on him to do his work in his time. And my job is simply to be faithful. Mm. There's, I, there, I, I'm a problem solver by nature. Oh. And I've <laughs> given so many so many people, so much bad advice because I was trying to solve their problem rather than saying, no, my job is to wait on the Lord and say, and then say, Lord, I don't know what they should do. Um, mm. Do you want me to say anything? Should I? And then wait mm. for him to give me a verse or say mm. something. And, mm. you know, it's a lot of art, just pray for him and just say, I don't, you know, I don't know what you should do, but you know what I mean? I think it's just, yeah. I think ministry becomes a burden when we do it for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. personal recognition or success. And we do it the wrong way, not by faith, not by depending on Christ, but mm. by in our own strength. Right on. So uh, in these last couple of years, uh, of course, it's been a challenge for most of the church world, public gathering world altogether. Uh, and here at Creekside, as I understand, too, through Jeff and others. Um, but y'all, uh, first of all, thank you for continuing. <laughs> I mean, doing something that we we watched, we tuned in from Germany uh, mm-hmm. often. And so that was a huge blessing uh, to still be connected and actually yeah. see, at least see. But to describe to us the last couple of years, the challenges, the obstacles, how God worked, overcame, maybe in a, in a few ideas. Yeah, I, it's a great question. I think um, God has faithfully provided for us. Our people have been just solid in their giving. I think mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think we've seen a dip in our giving at all. Wow. Um, having already having many many community groups in place, all we had to do was move to Zoom, and and we found that the uh, that the attendance actually went up. That people were far more faithful in their attendance when their groups were meeting by Zoom than when they were meeting in person. Is that right? Wow. Uh, I, I still like in-person meetings, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I, I missed it. I, I just, I really did miss people. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, just even the hugging. I, I think I've hugged more people being back in California than I have in at least the two years. Oh, yeah. It's, it's awesome. I like, you miss that touch. Yeah, we right? need each other. We really yeah. do. So I think those things have, we mess it, we missed it, but it didn't necessarily set us back spiritually, I think. 
Um, I think the other thing that I've, I've spent a lot of more time this year meeting face-to-face on Zoom with individual uh, guys I'm discipling. That's cool, yeah. And, and I find in some ways it's better because like when, when you go to lunch or use something like that, it's easy just to spend the whole time talking and not really get into the Word. But uh, the thing that I've really been trying to do is help these guys learn how to study the Bible for themselves. Yeah. And so we spent a good part of our time in our, in our meetings going through what did you learn you know, what, where did you see this? How do you apply this and stuff like that? So that their skills yeah. in, in, in learning and applying the scriptures have really grown. You're, you're maybe actually a little more focused exactly in, in your meeting times. You say, okay, we got an hour here or whatever, we're zooming or whatever. And then you just get right into the word. Exactly. I, I, I find that actually focused me too. I had more opportunity as well, Germany wide for, in our ministry to connect with individual guys. I started a men's mentoring group that's for great. Bible college students, really? you know, just stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, there was opportunity as well as the the the, the drawbacks. Yeah, you know, exactly. Um, so I think, yeah, God's sovereign, right? Um, but uh, yeah, we uh, we experienced some really incredible stuff this year, um, as well as That's the setbacks. Really but yeah, yeah, and yeah. no, I just think of Paul in prison. Probably felt like a setback. He didn't realize he was writing all these great, great letters. Yeah, yeah. He's like, exactly. In the end, I wonder sometimes did Paul realize he was writing scripture? Uh, just so good, some of it, right? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 So um, I have John. Thanks for the time. We're coming to a close, but uh, I wanted to take some time, especially um, uh, just saying my my personal appreciation to you, to Creekside Body to the elders here, to the past staff. I, I see new faces now. It's really exciting. But uh, just thank you so much. I mean, uh, it, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a stop for us. It was, this is, it feels like home Great. when we come back. And the body here continues to faithfully pray for us and support us. And we're just, um, frankly, overwhelmed sometimes. Oh. That's so encouraging. Um, and even you. now from the young people, youth and our youth ministry at the time yeah, are coming behind us and saying, how can we support and pray so for great. you? So just uh, express my thanks. So I've been asking all my guests this lately um, to give them the opportunity. Uh, uh, the one best question I was asked when I was interviewed at Creekside was, if you had one chance to share one th- something with a student, only one chance, what would it be? And I guess for you, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to answer for you, but I think it's the gospel. Yeah. Right, right. So share with our listeners the gospel and invite them to receive it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think the Bible is an amazing book. It is, uh, it was written over 1600 years, 40 different authors, um, from a wide variety of, of cultures and times and, and languages and stuff. And yet it tells one cohesive story. Yeah. And it's really a rescue story. It's a story about how God rescues creation and human beings from evil and from death. And from the very beginning, Jesus is the hero of that story. And, and the Old Testament predicts this human being who will come and undo the evil that Adam and Eve have done and restore creation and us back to what God created us to be. And then in the New Testament, of course, Jesus arrives and he fulfills all of these hundreds of signs, prophecies uh, of what the Messiah would do. He becomes a human being to live the life that we fail to live. 
so that God can credit his perfect record of righteousness to those who put their faith in him. He dies the death we deserve to die. He he dies on the cross in our place Mm -hmm. so that God can pardon us of all of our sins. And then he rises from the dead so that we can live forever. And that's really the gospel. It's it's all it's not what we do, but yeah. what God has done. And 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 that's the difference I think between Christianity and religion, that all religions have one thing in common. They all are about what you must do to reach God. Mm-hmm. But Christianity is about what God has already done to reach you. And mm-hmm. becoming a Christian is not doing something. It's just believing that it has been done and applying it. Scripture says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would encourage any of your listeners that if uh, you're not sure that Christ is in your life, mm-hmm. that he promises if you call on him, if you put your faith that he is the Son of God and your Savior, that he died in your place and rose so that you could have eternal life and ask him to come into your life and forgive your sins, he will. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he promises, whosoever opens the door, I will come into him. That's, that's, that's the way I became a Christian, and yeah. that's the way I still explain it today. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, maybe we should give an altar call right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, thanks so much for taking the time My today. My pleasure. Thank you for Our having Our guest me. today has been, on Churchpreneurs, has been John Bruce, pastor, uh, founding pastor uh, of Creekside Community Church, now semi-retired and... Not, just full-time still, but... Uh, you're full-time still, okay. Work, working for my son. <laughs> That's actually another thing we should have probably talked about, handing over. But uh, there was, a, as I understand it, as I see it from afar, it was a real smooth, smooth transition. Jeff, I just really appreciate him a lot. Yeah. So uh, God bless you. Thanks for taking some Thank time you, today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Churchpreneur's Podcast. You can find out more information at my website at richardpmore.net. I also blog at richardpmore.blogspot.com. You're welcome to follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at richardpmore23. You can also email us at churchpreneurs at gmail.com. It's like church and entrepreneurs like smashed together in one awesome jambalaya. Uh, churchpreneurs at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas for a podcast or any comments, questions, or concerns, maybe Rotten Tomatoes, please reach out on one of those platforms. God bless you. Until next time, take care. Take care.